Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Steven Dutzman. I'm your host. As always, here we are. It's video game week, but I have two guests. Well, two co-hosts. They're not guests. They're, they're here like and invited regularly. Uh, two co-hosts. Uh, so it's a very special week. Um, I am joined by Amanda Farrow, the Princess of Power. And Amanda, who else is who else is with us? The mistress of magnificence herself, <laughs> Linda Roble. And Hi. some of some of you watching or listening may be like, wow, Steve, it's video game week. What is Linda doing here? Because Linda, typically, um, this isn't her forte. Normally she sits out the video game weeks. And you know what? Um, that is because we have a topic this week that is uh, that I believe, and all three of us believe, transcends the uh, the divide between video games and board games. Specifically, we're going to be talking about our gaming comfort zones. I'm so excited. And specifically, we'll so be fun. talking about what they are, how we found them, etc. And we're also going to make some suggestions for games where that are good enough that it might be an okay to idea to hop out of your comfort zone and give them a shot. Um, and so, and Linda's going to provide the board gaming perspective as well. And we're just going to kind of talk about gaming in general. So this is going to be a, a great topic. Uh, we are all very excited to talk about it. Um, so, but Linda, thank you for being here, but it's video game week. So we are going to go around the horn. Amanda, yes. you have been playing a game called Potion Craft. I have. And I've been watching it on your Friday stream on Ready Player Mama. Yeah. Um, everybody who, every, if you're not following her, you should. Um, if you're not subbed to her, you should be. Um, and I have uh, excellent emotes, if nothing else. The, the emotes are amazing. Um, yes, as you can see in our chat. So um, po I've been watching it. Potion Craft is uh, it's beautiful medieval art. But like, what's what's up with this game? <laughs> So it's an alchemical simulator where you are an alchemist that runs a small but powerful little shop that grows over time. You have a magical garden that you go into every day once you get up because, yes, you actually do need to sleep at the end of each day. That's the, that's the signifier for your day ending as you go to bed. You wake up in the morning, you go to your magical garden, you pick all of the various herbs and mushrooms in your garden, and you go out to your shop to see who's waiting. And there are a myriad of clients looking for a myriad of things. Usually they're looking for things like potions of frost, potions of fire, potions to heal them, potions to energize them, to grow their gardens. It could be any number of things. So you take the requests and you go back to your lab and you start to craft your potions. Over time, your potions become more complicated and they become more robust, which means you make more money. In the Alchemy Lab, you can upgrade your equipment with, I haven't, I mean, I haven't gotten there yet because I don't have that much money yet because it costs like 1,700 gold to get like a very powerful alchemy machine. It's a lot for context. I have like 250 like gold right now because I'm constantly buying things for my shop. Okay. So... There's a lot, a, you, you know, you got to spend money to make money. My guess is that the margins on potions are pretty low. Margins on potions are pretty low, yes. Especially when they're not, like, really amazing potions. Like, you have your weak potions, you have your regular potions, you have your strong potions. And unless you have really strong potions, you're not making very much on the vast majority of your 
potions. It's too bad. Low profit the, margins are rough. Yeah, no, I don't like it. Um, economics is hard, actually. So the other thing to think about with potion craft is that you discover potions along the way. You are able to create mixtures, to use your mortar and pestle, to throw in some water, and kind of like explore your way around this, this map of alchemical potions and solutions. You have to be very careful not to go in like weird places where there are skulls, because that'll mess up your potion and you don't get any of your ingredients back. So it's bad. And as you get better, you level up your shop. Earn more money, can haggle better, both for your own potions and with other merchants and vendors as they come through. You become better at potion making in general because you're able to explore more of the map more quickly, which means that you are able to better serve your clients. You also have a reputation. So sometimes you will get clients that come in and say, so I'm thinking about burning down my neighbor's house. Do you have a potion that Why? might be able to help me there? And you have to make a you have to make a decision. Do I make the scary person their burning potion or do I tell them to pound sand and go bye-bye? Sometimes you make the burning potion because it makes you money. Other times you tell the person to go bye-bye because your reputation is crap now. <laughs> And there's also, I think there's like karma and stuff along with it, where it's just like, listen, if you do like lots of bad things, more bad people will come to your shop and the worse the reputation is that you'll have. And if you do good things, the more good people will come to your shop. You'll get knights, you'll get other soldiers, you'll get villagers that will come in and they're like, I want to grow my garden. I would like to traverse across this lake, but this lake, I don't have a boat. Can you make me a potion of frost? You know, that kind of thing. So all in all, potion craft is spectacularly difficult, but very, very easy to get into in terms of like the actual gameplay loop itself. It's, it's beautifully elegant. So that's I, potion craft. So it's on Steam right now. It's an early access game. It is. So, um, it is, so there's still more to it. This game is going to get more. Uh, oh, yeah. More it's going to become more and more robust. And I, I, I feel like uh, this is a game that... Maybe if they could figure the interface out, maybe it could come elsewhere. But I think this is probably going to be on PC and, and yeah. stick around. Um, but it could be a good I, iPad game, actually, now that I'm yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, probably. I, I think I think mobile is a place where it could go. Maybe Apple Arcade. Um, this feels like a yes. decent Apple Arcade game. Um, Absolutely. But uh, if you have a PC, this is definitely not a graphics game. So even if you have nope. a low-powered PC, you should be able to make this game work. Um, it's very cool looking. Uh, I don't want to call it pretty, but it is uh, because of it's, but it's, it's neat. It, it's committed to its art style. And I really appreciate that. So I, I think it's pretty because it reminds me of the woodblock art that you see in things like the Canterbury Tales. Okay. It's not right, as fair. ornate as the Canterbury Tales, but it's still pretty in its own capacity. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow that. I'll allow oh, it. So, um, Speaking of things that are, like, committed to what they are, um, I want to talk about a little game that I started playing this week called Dungeon Encounters. Tell me about Dungeon Encounters. So, I'm Dungeon, genuinely curious. No, Dungeon Encounters is actually very good. Dungeon Encounters is a Square Enix role-playing game. And when you think me 
and you think Square Enix role-playing game, you're like, wow, so of course Steve bought this. But here's the catch. Um, there is no, there's literally no story to speak of. In fact, there are no, uh, there is no art to speak of that you are, this is a literally, quite literally, it is a dungeon crawl combat game where they have taken a, they took like Final Fantasy four and took out all the story and took out everything except the combat and the dungeon crawls. And the dungeon crawls are done literally on just a path. Like you're walking through like the game of life. Um, so you have Weird. dudes. Now um, you have an academy. There's no cutscenes. There's no nothing. Literally, you start the game. Oh, I feel like my heart is going to be torn out. It's like, oh, they, they took all the story out of Final Fantasy IV. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? You mean all the good bits? They took all the good bits out? What are you but saying? wait. You spoony bard. But wait, I am a spoony bard. Hundred um, percent, you're a spoony bard. Um, but also, as I goes on. but also as I get older, I identify more with Tella. Um, so Tella's awesome because he's grumpy and nukes himself casting spells. Um, which sure is what I feel like. he's, a, he's an old glass cannon, and so, we love so, him for it. So also, every time he does something that's that overexerts himself, he's done for at least a few days. So that's why I identify with him so well. So, it's um. Such a mood. So, uh, basically, this is a, a series of dungeons, and the dungeons are just pathways that are grid-based. They're, they're right, not even okay. grids. They're just pathways. It's like, you know, uh, it's like, you know, it, it really is like the game of life. You're just move it around. Um, okay. and I was going to say that sounds kind of Etrian Odyssey, but okay, continue. So, you are... The gameplay loop is you earn exper- you earn skill points... By coloring in the squares, a la City Connection, which we've talked about on the EFG show, um, where the idea is as you go over a grid spot, it colors in. Um, And every X number of the uh, squares that you color in, you earn skill points. And, And so those skill points you use to equip bigger abilities, like the first one that you get is the ability to see where the enemies are on the map. So... You actually know where the encounters are, and what's really interesting and why so I actually really did this. They're not random encounters. They are not so random. So I encounters. would, I would hate that a lot less. So not like only, not only are the numbers are the encounters not random, you know exactly what the encounter is because the encounters are all numbered. So encounter zero zero is always spoilers, I guess, but it's the first encounter you ever have. A ghost. That's it. It's a ghost. Encounter ghost. 01 is two ghosts and a wolf. And, and so if you see double zero on the map, you know exactly what it is. And so okay. and so on and so forth. So you know 100% what these things are. You also know, in general, as the numbers increase, the, the monsters are more powerful. Um, and then, there, and so those are the encounters. Those are black numbers that are on the grid. Um, the okay. white numbers are places. So, for example, 01 is stairs going down. 02 is stairs going up. Um, 05 is where you go to get healed. 06 is where you go to resurrect your, your fallen comrades. Or it's backwards. Forgive me. Wow. Um, and so you, so it kind of feels a little bit like Dwarf Fortress in that you have to, which is a deep, deep, deep cut. But in that... As you're moving around on the grid, and I hesitate to call it a grid, but as you're traveling down these pathways, 
you kind of have to remember the numbers because as you remember the numbers, you start to see, like, I see what the map looks like because I'm learning what all these numbers are. Um, and so you're, and meanwhile, you have this party. So there's a lot of party management to it because you have your party, which is all recruits from this academy and you can swap them in and out to get them experience, to build them all up. And so maybe you need um, to build an all magic team to go deal with okay. magical threats. And so you'll need to kind of, and maybe you need an all physical team to deal with physical threats or a balanced one. And so there's reasons to build up multiple characters and multiple parties because you know what the numbers are. So if you know number 23, and I'm just making it up, is an OMG magic fight, you can't beat it without an all-out magic team. Mm. That's it. You got to go build that. And so um, it is very cool. It's right now available on PlayStation, Switch, and PC. I'm playing it on PC. Um, okay. It is very cool. Um, it is not a role-playing game, though. And that's what I think, you know, a lot of people think Square, RP Square Enix, RPG, like I call it that. But really what it is, is it is a RPG combat simulator. Like this is okay. all it is, is party management and combat using the active time battle system from Final Fantasy 4 and 5 and 6. Um, and it is, I mean, if you like that idea, if what I just described to you is a RPG combat simulator with like crunchy game mechanics and like lots of strategy about building up characters and making teams. If you love that part of Final Fantasy, you will absolutely love this game. If you don't like that, if that's the part that you like give to your little brother to do and then you do all the story stuff, um, don't buy Dungeon Encounters because okay. it's literally the Dungeon Encounters. It is nothing else. Okay. That's so it. it's not for me, is what you're saying. That's I fine. think I think I just saved you thirty bucks. It's thirty dollars right now on I Steam. I appreciate you, friendo. Um, I think it'll be on Game Pass at some point. This feels like a Game Pass game. Um, that'll be there. Okay. Um, I really love it. I'm I'm playing it twenty minutes at a time. Like this is one of those games that I'm not gonna binge. Like I wouldn't play this for extra life. Right. I would go oh, mad. Gosh. But I yes. but I'm playing this for I'm playing it like a half hour or so at a time, um, and really just enjoying running around on the little maps and you know, because the characters walk like the character that you put as the leader they walk on the map. But that's it. That's the only animation in the game. Weird. It's so wild. And you know what? Uh, Bravo to Square Enix. Experiment. I want more stupid crap like this. Sure. I love it. I love it when developers get super experimental i mean that's how we ended up with um Paraxis doing chimera squad yeah. right very experimental yeah exactly so that is dungeon encounters amanda uh you have continued to play a little bit of that new world which is still I have no idea what you're talking about. It is. I know I, you don't know about the little bit part because I know you played a lot of new world, um, but that's okay. New world is a big MMO. It's an Amazon produced MMO. Go figure. Amazon yeah. finally released a product and people liked it uh, in the video game uh, space. Yes. Um, they needed a win. I'm happy for the team there um, because they've just been getting punched in the face for years. Uh, so it's nice uh, to have yeah, a hit. Basically. Um, Amanda, yeah. Uh, tell me tell me why I should play the New World. 
Um, okay. So I don't know if you should play the New World, but I can tell you why most people would enjoy playing the New World. So we did talk about it the last time that I was on the show because it was like, what? The week it launched? The week after it launched, I finally got into it. So the New World is an Amazon MMO, which made it really strange, but also awesome. Um, it is an action MMO. So for anyone who's played World of Warcraft, you've played Star Wars The Old Republic, you've played Lord of the Rings Online, pretty much any MMO since, like, 2000, we're gonna say, oh god, I really dated myself there, didn't I? Oh, oh, okay, yeah, you we're going for it now. You don't do that very often. I really don't. I've been playing MMOs for a really, really long time, so that... Okay, I'm not going to crumble into dust. I'm thinking to think about crumbling into dust, and I'm actually okay. I'm okay now, I think. So, the New World is an action is an action based MMO that is not like any MMOs that you've currently played because instead of like pressing keys and doing like one, two, three, four for your powers, you're actively out there smacking enemies with your swords or with your spear. Like I, I have a, for my character, she is a bow spear build, heavy on decks. So she can pull enemies in and then just like, jab, jab them with a spear. It's very nice, it's very satisfying. So that's one of the things I really like about the new world. And the new world is also like very solo friendly. So if you wanna solo the vast majority of the game, you actually can. It's only until you get to the very first instance at the Amrine Mines that you have to go and team up with other people. And that's like level 25. Okay. The other, the other thing about this game that people want to know is that it is a pay once game. You buy it, there's no subscription. You just go in. Wow. I don't Which know is... if that will stick around. We will um, see. Yeah. I mean, well, can you, can you add, I mean... Is there any precedent to adding a subscription model? Yes. To yeah, a there game definitely ad? is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's um, Elder Scrolls Online. In fact, is just that precedent where it is mostly free to play unless you want the little quality of life upgrades. From what I understand, with the new world, they are going to be adding microtransactions for things like Azoth. They're already in. Yeah. So they already have for not for Azoth though. Okay, so Mike is telling me that the cosmetics thing already exists. So they have cool cosmetics that you can buy in their MTX shop. I don't usually care about cosmetics until I'm like supremely high level. And then I'm like, give me them transmogs. Because I want to look cool. Final Fantasy probably, 14, I want to look like Cloud Strife. You should probably put transmogs on the list for uh, the next... Um, Finitions. Uh, for the next definitions, um, transmogs are transmog. Transmogrification. Thank you. Yeah, just spell it as best as you can, Linda. I'll cover your gotcha. bases when we get there. You'll know what um, I mean. Uh, yes, and we will talk about it. Um, I will be happy to write that, just to be clear. Okay. Well, because I have yes. on it. an absolutely bonkers amount of um, MMOs that do give me those sweet, sweet cosmetics. <laughs> so it's unlike any other MMO out there. It's very interesting. It is very heavy on PvP as well, which doesn't really appeal to me 
But the higher in level that I get, one of the things I've noticed is I'm like, are you kidding me? The other faction took my hometown over? Oh, I'm gonna get him. Oh. I'm gonna get him. Retribution and vengeance. I am not the kind of person where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go to war for no reason. The green dudes came to my house. I'm gonna get him. I'm not level 50 yet, but I'm gonna get him when I'm level 50. She's gonna get him. She's gonna get him. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Um, I'm gonna stream it too. I can't I, listen. I can't wait. You better you better text me and tell me that you're going live so I can watch. Don't you even um, worry about it, buddy. I got you. So, um, I, I'll, I'll be honest. She's probably right that this is one of those. I, I imagine this to kind of be a um, a switch OLED situation, meaning mm-hmm. that if you don't play you an MMO already, this is a good one to check out. But it may not replace the MMO that you already play. Like I have played World of Warcraft. I have, you know, I know some folks that play Final Fantasy fourteen. And for a lot of them, if you're like, you know, heavily invested in the story, waiting for Endwalker and Final Fantasy fourteen, which is coming out in the next month or so, or if you are hopelessly uh, in love with a flawed, deeply flawed World of Warcraft game, um, I at least I said it. I said it. I said it. It's deeply you flawed. did say it. It's um, okay to like things that are uh, flawed. It's so, okay. Um, if you have problematic faves, as long so, as you can admit that they're problematic. Yes. Um, and so, but this is one of those games that is, um, you know, it's not going to replace those necessarily for everyone, but I think this is, it's going to carve out its own place. Um, I, I hope that it has success. I'm just waiting for a sale, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to pick it up uh, because it's, you know, because it looks cool. Um, and I always like to try new things. Um, and, you know, who knows? Uh, my, maybe there will come a time where I need to move on and I don't think I can have not an MMO in my life because I need that treadmill that never-ending checklist and Animal Crossing kind of did it. Yeah, I get but it. it. Wasn't, but it wasn't, but there's no dragons. I mean, no. it really is what it comes down to. I need dragons. Um, so I'm going to talk about an Apple Arcade game. Okay. You ready? Um, yeah. I'm going to talk about Zookeeper. Ooh. Um, Zookeeper is a Mash 3 puzzle game. Now, here's the thing about Mash 3 puzzle games. Most of us are kind of conditioned to be like anti-Mash 3 puzzle games on some level because of the free-to-play garbage. Like, Not the stuff... Okay, well, a lot of folks turn their nose up at Mash 3 because they all they think of is Candy Crush and energy and you know, money and pouring in, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, now, some people are super okay with that. You know who loves them? Some Candy Crush? Um, the man behind the curtain loves him. Oh. Some Candy Crush. Um, I believe he is, he brings himself to the cap whenever they add new levels. That's like his thing. But wow. um, imagine a match three puzzle game that functions very similarly with like fixed levels, etc. to Candy Crush, but with none of the free-to-play trappings. There's no extra money. You just progress through the levels. And, and that's what Zookeeper is. And then on the side, you're building a zoo. And like you're oh. earning currency, you're buying monkeys, you're buying lions, you're buying, you know, like you're building a zoo. Um, there's a lot of levels to this. I heard about this from GameScoop. So I guess shout out to the uh, IGN GameScoop crew. They've been talking about it for like three weeks in a row. 
um, oh. which is wild. Um, and it's part of Apple Arcade. And this is the thing. We talk a lot about how Game Pass is the best value in gaming. But the reality is if you don't have a console and all you have is an iPad or an iPhone, Apple Arcade is very close because what it does is it takes all these mobile games that would be problematic because of their ads and their in-app purchases and it just gives you, like, Crossy Roads Plus came out this week. Crossy Roads Plus is Crossy Roads with none of the free-to-play garbage. It's just, you just play and you don't have to worry about time gating or energy gating or microtransactions for the critters they just okay so and they're doing that a lot with apple arcade so i think this is one of those things to consider if you have yourself an iphone or an ipad apple arcade is giving new life to some older um some older what we would call mobile gaming classics um giving you a, a giving them a new uh like a, a breath of fresh air. There's a Castlevania game on there that really is just a gotcha game. Like it was just a gotcha game. I heard. And, uh, but it's not on this. It's because there's no way to spend money. You just earn the currency and you go, which just fundamentally changes the experience. It's wild. So, so that's Zookeeper. That sounds um, awesome. Linda. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is super cute. I absolutely love it. Linda. So but while we were prepping, you told yes. us that you, for the first time in a while, had one of your kids bring a game to you that you had never heard of. It was a new one for me. So um, I feel like I failed you up front. No, I can't only keep, there's only so much I can keep on top of as well. So this is, there's so much out there. And this is one of those, I heard the name and it sounded familiar. So mm-hmm. you have to tell me, like, I believe this. there's more to it from the little bit of research I did. But my youngest came and said, I put Metroid Dread on my Christmas wish list. And I went, well, let me look it oh, up. I don't know st- that game. Off we stand in a little Samus fan. Yep. Okay. So. so what did you find out when you looked it up? I'm curious what your interpretation was when you were researching it. Honestly, I and was I'll pretty superficial because the first thing I look at is what's it rated. Okay. It's an easy one. If it's E or T. It's under consideration. Obviously, M is off the table at this phase of game. Sure. Um, so just kind of looked, got a little bit of, like, just kind of basically looked at the Amazon listing. Okay, it's rated T. Started scanning. Just give me a quick overview of what, what kind of game is this. Um, also leaned on the other resource in the house. Asked my husband because he knows more of the video games since he plays. And he's like, oh, that one's fine. So between me looking it up, seeing the T rating, I didn't really delve super deep into it. Because as long as the content's fine, I don't mind him playing most things. Yeah. That's really my big thing. It's rated T, so that's when in our range of what we are comfortable with. And, you know, so, yeah, Steve, I'd love to hear a little more about it because I don't know. I didn't delve super deep. This was just a, is it appropriate within sure. our parameters? Sure. Um, I say I would say yes, knowing you guys as I do. I try to not make like universal judgments about T-rated games for parents, uh, but knowing you guys as I do, I would say yes. This is this is definitely within your uh, within uh, y'all's comfort zone. Um, and the biggest thing for it is that this is a hard sci-fi game um, mm-hmm. where uh, you don't shoot bullets, shoot bullets, you shoot lasers, and so as a result, there's really not there's no like blood and gore and all that stuff. You're fighting monsters that blow up in like little bright little puffs of smoke and turn into like blinking missiles and stuff. Like this is, this feels like 
a modern, well-made version of a Nintendo game. And I mean that in the greatest way. Like, this is not, you know, I mean, it's beautiful. Um, I think the atmosphere is great. I think the backgrounds are awesome. I think the music is great. But this is not, this is not God of War. You know what I mean? Um, so, but it is very hard. But, well, that was the so, next thing I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is That's the something to keep in mind. Yeah, from a content perspective, I don't have a problem. With that said, okay. um, he so Metroid as a series is a uh, it's it. I mean, some people will call it a horror game. Some will call it a survival game. Um, it's an action game where you play as Samus Aran, who is a uh, a uh, mercenary. And she's a bounty hunter, and she goes and gets herself lost and trapped on planets. Amazing. She's awesome, yes. But she goes and gets herself lost and trapped on planets, and she fights her way out. Um, And she's wearing a cool suit of power armor, and she travels around and gets powers, and she earns the powers. Um, And so basically the idea is you travel around this big maze, and as you get powers, you then backtrack through the maze... And they will give you the ability to open new doors, etc. So, for example, okay. the very basic thing is you start with just your arm cannon like Mega Man. And then at first, one of the first things you get is missiles. In fact, in this game, I think you start with missiles. But there are some doors that you can only open with missiles. Um, and so, you know, there are some doors you can only open with, like, this cool triple laser that you get. Right? And so, you'll see these things. You're like, oh, I need a triple laser to get that. And so, you keep that in mind as you explore and so what happens um is sometimes you just straight up get lost in this game so you have to have a strategy for how to proceed if you get lost um and the game does not help you if you get lost in fact being lost is part of the experience because the idea is you are samus trapped on a planet um Uh. so that's one thing that is worth at least being aware of and he is if he's a young i mean he's an experienced gamer despite the fact that he's young so I am, uh, so thinking of your, your youngest, um, you're going to want to warn him as he gets started or your, your husband will want to, John, it's just tell him that he's going to need a plan if he gets trapped. My plan um, is if I get really lost and I'm frustrated, I just turn it off and come back later. Uh, otherwise, I just go left. That's my plan oh. is I always just go left until I can't anymore. And then I go up. And if okay. I, and then... Now we go up. So... Um, so that's my strategy, and it most of the time works. The other thing is some of these boss fights are absolutely bananas difficult. Um, so he's, you know, so... He can get I mean, very con- frustrated, so that's good yeah. to know. Yeah, so if he's if he's a controller breaker, this game is definitely going to test him. Um, and that's okay. This is a good game from a content perspective. It's fine. Uh, Mega Mom in the chat saying that their youngest was fine with all the monsters, that they're not scary I mean, okay. they're big and like sci-fi, but they're not, it's not, it's not like crazy. They're just big sci-fi monsters. It's nothing crazy. Um, so I am playing through it. Um, and I am, I, I, my understanding is I'm about 20% of the way. Part of this is I'm also okay. playing this game in relatively small chunks. Um, and part of that is because some of these encounters are really hard. And I am deliberately trying to avoid... Um, burnout, or more appropriately, what I don't want to do is get so frustrated that I put it away. There are certain games that no, that's, I, that's understandable. I'm just not going to... I don't, right now, in this phase of my life, I don't want to stress out over games. Um, so if it starts stressing me out, I turn it off and play something else. So, um, would I recommend it to other people? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great game. 
Um, do I think it's going to end up on our EFG Essentials list? I don't think so. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, because I think it's too hard. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm hard pressed to, to put it there, just considering how many other options there are. However, um, it's a strong recommend. I, if a kid were like, I want to play this game, the only ones I wouldn't give it to are kids that you know are going to chuck, chuck a controller at the right. TV. Yeah, that's the, that's the hard thing here is that you just, it, because it is built on the bones of Nintendo hard, okay. which is what Metroid is. It's just always going to be exceptionally difficult, just keeping that in mind. But in terms of the content, I watched my husband play it and it was just like, nah, this is pretty cool. Yeah. No, I think the content, that that piece, everything I'm seeing, everything I'm hearing sounds great. But hearing this, he's not a controller chucker. He's going to shut down. Oh, yeah, he's really so. frustrated. So it's like, mm, we'll have to have a conversation so he knows what he'd be signing up for. Understood. Yeah. He goes into this. Like, he needs to understand this is one you may just say, I'm getting upset. Time to turn it off, take a break, walk away. I think as long as he has a strategy and he's willing to stick to it, I think it'll be fine. Just like I have a strategy if I get lost, I you know, so that I don't get, so I don't panic. So, mm -hmm. so that's Metroid Dread. I mean, it, it is what I really am. What's really exciting about Metroid Dread is this is the beginning of like a resurgence of Metroid on the Nintendo Switch because we also have a new Metroid Prime game coming at some point in the future. And there's also the potential for more Metroid games to come to. I mean, Super Metroid is on Nintendo Switch Online, which I'm sure we're going to talk about sooner rather than later on the EFG show. Um, and there's a Metroid Prime trilogy that they've been talking about rumors of it being you know, ready to get revamped and put on in HD on the Switch at some point, uh, they could probably drop it at any time. And that's a lot of really good game. But those are first-person shooters, which is different than this yes. one, which is side-scrolling. So um, yes. it's an exciting time if you're a Metroid fan. If you are the general who does not like Metroid, Sorry, honey. But oh, um, is, this, is this that game? This is, is that, that game. Series? Well, that it's game. Metroid Prime that is that game. Okay. It's very complicated. We'll talk to. The, we'll talk about. It's. <laughs> You'll it's, have to map it out this weekend for me. Yes, I'll be there. I'll. Well, I'll bring it, and I'll just plug it in. You can just look at it. So everybody. So that's around the horn. We went a little longer than necessary, but we were talking about a lot of really good games. Made some really good recommendations. Um, let's get to our topic, though. So. The topic of the week is um, gaming comfort zone. And so, right. Amanda, when I say what's your gaming com uh, gaming comfort zone, I almost said gaming comment section. I don't know why. Uh, when I say, I we don't, don't want to talk there. about that. Yeah, we no, don't, don't do go those. to the comments. Never. Yeah, I don't know her. I don't know her. Oh, my goodness. When I say gaming comfort zone, Amanda, what does that mean to you? Linda, I'm going to so, ask you the same what question. My minute, so. gaming comfort zone is, or sure. what a gaming comfort zone is as a definition. Well, why don't we start with the definition, I think, and then I want to hear yours. Sure. Okay, so to me, a gaming comfort zone is the places that you spend the most time because this game and this genre, this play style, this particular publisher or developer or whatever makes you feel safe makes you feel comfortable and it lets you, you know, unplug from your life, plug into the game and just chill. That to me is what a gaming comfort zone is. Um, 
you did in fact uh yep got a logic in the chat saying he got here just in time as a matter of fact you did you missed some great gaming co- discussions but we're here to talk about gaming comfort zones uh if y'all are in the chat by the way please share us uh, share with us your uh gaming comfort zones and your gaming comfort food we would love to hear it and it will be relevant when we get there um so that's a i think that's a great definition amanda um you know it's that game that you can just the, the it, the idea of that game where you, when you settle down with either your hands on the keys or on the controller, and you can just kind of unclench and just play um, without, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so, what is your gaming comfort zone? Like, where do you just relax the most? Well, it depends on what platform I'm playing on, quite uh, frankly. Um, my gaming comfort zone on my phone is I actually really enjoy match three and merge games. I think that they're lots of fun. I think that they're very zen. I also really enjoy like decorating things like it just those little those little things. If they're on my phone, you know, great. That's my comfort zone. If I'm sitting at my computer or a console or a handheld we're talking stuff that's a little bit more complicated. I'm a strategy player for the most part. That's where my heart is. That's where my comfort zone is. So we're talking things like 4X strategy games like Civilization. I've been playing Civ since I was a little kid. Um, games that require me to think deeply instead of thinking broadly. I can just like go really deep into a particular kind of mechanic and just find so much joy and comfort in being able to replicate my successes and learning disparate systems. So strategy is where I am most comfortable. So strategy games and complex RPGs, honestly, those are, those are the spaces in which I live. The more complicated the game is, the more esoteric, the more strange and weird, as long as everything makes sense. I love it. Explains why you're such a big Persona fan. Because that's about as yeah. weird as it can possibly get. Ooh, that's some big old weirdos. Um, Linda, what about you? Um, now, I know you're not, you know, th- this is from the board game perspective. Although, if you have a video game comfort food that I don't know about, I'm very interested to hear <laughs> it. But um, what about you? What's, what's your comfort zone? So, I think I can, I'll start with what's video gaming esque the apps on the phone i mean i don't do a ton of gaming on my phone um, but there's times when you have those time wasters there's you know it's kind of have to hang somewhere and you just need a thing to do and so i end up doing the match three for the most part as well i mean it's nothing and not something i do do much but if i need something to chill especially if i'm offline those tend to be what i go for just to relax a little bit if i need a downtime thing um, but as for the board games, no surprise, I tend to go for lighter board games. The things that we kind of grab the most, and here it is again, I get to stand on the video game side, Sky Joe. It's something where you can learn the rules in a couple minutes. Um, I tend to go for things that are more card-based, so there's not as many fiddly bits. Of cards. It's just it's something That's more also my gaming like, comfort zone, just so we're cards? clear. Cards. Ooh. Love them. Digital cards, physical cards, give me all the cards, let's go. And it's funny, some of my favorite games have been card games. There might be like some tokens to keep track of, but for the most part, it's simpler 
decks of cards things. Now, that said, I still enjoy things that are maybe tiles. Uh, Sekatsu is one that I go for a lot because, again, something very simple. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of pieces, but they're just laying it down. So it's not too fiddly. You're not moving a ton of things mm-hmm. around. Once you place it, it stays. Yep. So very streamlined. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm laughing at what I can see behind me in the ca- game cabinet. And I'm like, you know, cards, card heavy, card heavy. Quite a few of them are those card heavy systems. Uh, so we did get some comments in the, we did get some comments in the chat. So people with some of their, uh, you know, their, their gaming comfort zones, the things that they really enjoy doing that are kind of their go-tos. And so uh, Mega Mom um, said that she loves strategy games, adventure games, and simulators. Um, she wants to be able to fiddle around for 200 hours um, and, mm. like, learn the strategy, um, which I, I can That's totally good. get down with. Um, Ready Player Mom, freaking out. Mega Moms are people. I believe <laughs> that that is actually factually correct. Dinner. Um, I'm going to have to eat that later. Thank you. Um you even got to peek at the general for a moment while she waved. Um, and no, there's absolutely nothing wrong with knowing what you like. In fact, that's what this is all about, is the idea of figuring it out. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, God of Logic said that his comfort zone is role-playing games with fun features and ideas. And he indicated that Fallout 4 is his happy place. And you know what? I have That is not the first person that I've heard talk about um, specifically Bethesda role-playing games. Um, everybody has like one that is like their game that they really like. Uh, I have a friend of mine who is in my World of Warcraft guild who she streams Skyrim still. And Skyrim came out in 2011. And it's legitimately 10 years that, old. It's that long ago. Yeah, it's been that long Ten. ago. And so wow. she still it's, it's streams old it. old as my son. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, How about Skyrim? We have the collectors. I mean, it's... You know, not the most, it's not family friendly, but whatever. It's, uh, we, I remember in the very beginning of EFG content, one of our very first video game podcasts, I remember talking about one of our topics was like playing older games, um, you know, like playing games for older audiences, but like only playing the good parts. And Evan, my oldest, um, was absolutely convinced that Skyrim was just a hunting simulator. And a blacksmithing simulator. Because what I would do is just travel around, avoid people, and I would mm-hmm. fight bears, skin them, bring their stuff back, um, and then make and make armor. Um, and I did that for hours. So, so there are a lot of people. Um, so the, I don't even think there's anything wrong with liking Fallout 4. I mean, if you like it, I mean, it absolutely. Um, that is, <laughs> excuse me. And you want to talk about role-playing games with funny uh, and fun game mechanics. Fallout 4, I mean, it even has like that build, the base building stuff. It, it, consider, it, it's, it's nuts. Considering all the stuff they've done with that, I can't even wait for Elder Scrolls 6 with all the stuff that they're going to throw into that game. Um, but anyway, so uh, for me, my comfort zone, um, as many people... So the one, the one that is obvious, I've talked about it forever, is MMOs, right? I love that gameplay. Right. I love being in, an, in a world where I can see people that I can help them or I can fight with them. Um, I love an endless to-do list. The one, there are two others that people uh, might not know about. One of those is uh, Tetris or other um, like kind of falling block puzzle games. Because those, uh, one of the things that I really love in games is 
the ability to get into a flow. I struggle with match three games because they're so abrupt. Because like a lot of times they're kind of just done or they're, you know, like Candy Crush is like you're completing a level. Right. Um, I want to just keep going. Like an endless mode for Candy Crush. I would play that forever if it was available. Um, and maybe it is. I just don't know. Um, and my last one, and this is a specific video game, is Street Fighter 2. Okay. I would play Street Fighter 2 with anyone at any time. Um, and specifically the one, you know, Street Fighter 2, the World Warrior, eight guys. Like, this is like the very basics. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, and I've been chasing that feeling of that game forever. Um, and it's led to my fandom. But like, none of the games that have come out that I have found have really hit me the same way as Street Fighter sure. 2. Um, right. So that so here's the next question. How did you find your comfort zone? Like, you know, we, especially you and me, Amanda, like we grew up playing all kinds of stuff. Sure. Um, how did you find, like, how did it hit you? that Like, wow, this is my thing. I think it hit me when I was 13. I was either 13 or 14. Um, I was playing Baldur's Gate. And I thought to myself, I'm like, this is the kind of game that I would play for the rest of my life. I would okay. play tactical, complicated role-playing games that allowed me granular control of my squad or, you know, in in my party or whatever, create really interesting narrative opportunities between the various characters and learn complicated systems because Baldur's Gate for those that aren't familiar is based off of, based off of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons which is by far the most complicated Dungeons and Dragons system out there. I'm not talking about Thacko tonight because you can't make me. Linda, just suffice it to say, you dodged some <laughs> bullets by meeting me when you did. Okay. Good. Um, I'll explain. Bad, actually, I'll explain Thacko to you on um, Saturday. Suffice it to say, armor class used the to be pain. backwards. It was broken. So we'll actually, about- I can like straight up say that Thacko is probably my least favorite mechanic in any RPG I've ever played, including Shadowrun. And Shadowrun is persnickety as all get out. Yep. Boy. So I'll ex- I'll explain Thacko on Saturday, you and fill, you're gonna fill me in. You're going to hate every second trauma. of it when I'm explaining. Oh, yeah. no. Um, All right. Trauma. Okay. So, it, so was, it really, it was Baldur's Gate for me. That was, that was the thing that really cemented it. And along the way, you know, I had other aha moments. Another aha moment was when I was playing um, Civ 2 back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Final Fantasy Tactics was another big aha moment for me. And I played that years later. It's when I really learned that systems are the things that I, that I adore. I love systems design. That's what I, it's what I excelled at doing for a long time when I was working in web is rebuilding processes and systems. And I just loved it. And I love narrative. I love narrative. I love great stories with great characters. And I love being able to be at the forefront of creating those stories. Even if there is no tangible narrative layer, like if you're playing a game like Civ. So, yeah. that was right. the, Those were the moments for me. Baldur's Gate was my first really big one, I think. 
Okay. All right. Uh, what about you, Linda? it's interesting like reflecting back i can see why card games are my comfort zone because if i kind of reflect back before i was really into playing board games the things that we would gather around and play as a group with friends um as like even in my school day like younger, younger school days was uno card game mm, absolutely and college post-college our group was the thing we did if we needed like a thing to sit around and play was uh, phase 10 Again, just another strict card game. And then Steve took me down the rabbit hole. Um, and it's so funny, like, that I'm so into the board games, the first ones that I was learning to play were mostly with other bits, like Ticket to Ride has, you know, a lot of little fiddly bits, not absolutely fiddly bits, but it's fiddly bits. But fiddly um, enough. Fiddly enough. Much more fiddly than a card game. But I think one of the second ones was Sushi Go. That was in the very early ones. Again, another card game. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that's it it feels like I've been playing it forever and it really hasn't been that long. But oh my gosh. no, it's you know, and there's so many games and it's it's interesting because I get the privilege to play so many games, demo, test, get previews, samples. It's I've played so many things that are a range. It's like it tends to be either tiles, things that are pretty simplistic. Once they're down, they're down for the most part, or pretty basic card games. But those are those are my comfort food. I don't want to think too much. Yes, I want strategy, but I don't want to have to. I want like two choices. I don't want to have to go crazy with a bazillion choices. Right. Okay. I get it. So even if it's a tile game, you know, I don't have that many choices. There's limited, finite choices. So. I like it. Simple, simple. What about Um, you, Steve? Man, you know what? Mine have all like snuck up on me. Um, You know, I've always loved role-playing games. And so the idea of being in like an immersive world um, that was, I mean, it was going to grab me no matter what. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the, the, what really cemented it for me was when in this past uh, you know, this pat, you know, when the Fire Nation attacked and I came back to World of Warcraft after a very long time away. Um, and after, you know, having what I would define as a pretty toxic relationship to it in the past, um, I came back and when I put my hands on the keys, um, you know, literally keys and mouse and my shoulders relaxed in a way that they really had not in a long time and uh, where I was like, you know what, this is a world I want to be in. This is a world I'm comfortable in. Um, I want to go visit Ironforge. I want to do these things. And so for me, that's really what, um, not a lot of games have a sense of place for me. Whereas here, like these places exist um, and uh, the people in them exist for me as well. So that was one piece. Uh, Tetris came, it was not until I was playing a different game where uh, I was playing Luminous, where I was like, you know what, really, this just makes me want to play Tetris. Um, it really right. does. It just makes me want to play Tetris um, because I just love that that feeling of being able to get into a flow. Um, and Street Fighter, I knew that for a while I probably would have defined myself as a Street Fighter fan. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was like, that was my game because I just absolutely loved it. But um, right. you know, I've moved on since then, largely because I am mm-hmm. bad at it. Um but the so the next question, and this is where we are, um, you know, we're talking about 
comfort zones and a lot of evil um you know are, you know if you if you follow the discourse uh which probably don't um but if you do follow the discourse a lot of people talk a lot about you should try this you should try this game you should support this company and play this and i want to say definitively and i'm hope and i wonder if the two of you guys agree it is okay to know what you like and have yeah. your gaming comfort zone be Absolutely. just what you play there is no reason that you need to step out of your comfort zone for everything. Um, I know for a fact that I would not like Grand Theft Auto, so I don't buy it. I save myself 60 bucks every time one of those comes out. It's just super easy. Um, and right, so, right, right. And I don't buy it um, either, so that's fine. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I think before we give advice about breaking down those mm. walls, I think I just want to say out loud. Validate that the walls are it okay is to exist. okay to just play. And we asked this in our community and we had somebody say, no, I don't. I don't play anything outside my comfort zone because I have very limited time. I'm an adult. I have, I have, you know, other responsibilities. So when I play a game, I want it to be exactly what I need. Um, we had some other folks say that, no, they play everything they can because they want to try. They want to experience new things. Um, and that's cool. Um, but it is okay to stick with what you got. With that said, True. with that said, let's play around a little bit. Um, uh, one of the benefits, though, of breaking out of your comfort zone, all three of us have at one point or another. Now, all three of us kind of have to because we are uh, critics, so we all have to play things that would not be the first thing we would grab off the shelf. But what are Very some of the true. advantage? What are some of the advantages to that? Are there any? Because you might find something that you didn't think you'd like, that what you want to play. And I had that happen at Bfig. Ooh, man. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, I was. At, oh, good. I know. I know. I can't wait it. to go back in person. But I loved the online one, though, like for actual cool. realsies. It was so good. It's the best online experience I've ever had. At For any sure. conference that wasn't like the game developers of color, which was also supremely rad. No, for uh, the online way they did that was amazing. And if they have to do virtual ever again, like I would do that in a hot second. But it's not, you know, it's not the something, same. It's not the same. Let's, I mean, it's realistically, it's not the same. But when I was at Bfig, it was either the last time or the time before. Now the world was all blended together. But that's Wizard is a game that if, at some point is hopefully going to come to Kickstarter. I got to play the prototype and it is a card, a one on a player card battling. That okay. is not my wheelhouse. I will be the first to tell you okay. card battling is not my wheelhouse. I am highly uncomfortable with it. I've played a few different ones. Actually this, there's one right behind me that I've played it. I enjoy myself when I'm playing, but I'm tense. It is not comfortable. This is one that I'm hoping this thing goes to Kickstarter because I want to back it. Oh, and What's nice is, and it's, I like that they scale it. For somebody that is used to collectible card games and wants to build their deck, that option is available. For the novice like me, it here's your deck. And it's so, like, cut, like the way the rules are, it was so easy to just jump in. Okay. Sister and I played it. Neither one of us know how to do card battling. We were able to play with minimal support almost right away. Okay. So it was like, I was just floored. I didn't think I would like it. I was like, I'll play it. I'll try it. I can be critical. I can be objective. 
You know, mm-hmm. I can kind of look at the whole game, knowing it's not my preference. I can still give it, a, you know, an honest assessment and, you know, people that like that style. Yeah. I liked it way more than I ever expected to. And I remember Linda coming back from CT Fit because I was not there that day. And I remember talking to her about it shortly afterwards and her just glowing about that game. Um, and I never in a million years, like if we had to, if we had to, if we were both there the same day and we're like dividing it up, that would have been the game I would have gone to play. Mm -hmm. It would have been, yeah, Steve, you go play the card battle game. Do that one. That's Um, your wheelhouse. I'm out. Yeah. Um, But Linda had to, she had to hold down the fort all by herself. She absolutely just killed it. Um, And that game slayed her because man, now she wants to, she wants to back it whenever they figure out uh, what they're going to do for Kickstarter or whatever. Um, I'm sure it will eventually. That game is so polished and so great. It was so um, nice. Yeah. There's, I know there's been stuff and with the world being crazy, who knows, but yeah, mm-hmm. they're slow. Um, they're taking their time. Um, and I think okay. that they, I think the world will be better for it. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Sometimes venturing outside of your comfort zone is going to show you games that you absolutely love. Um, and I'm going to use an example, not from myself, uh, but I'm actually going to use an example from my son. Um, oh. because, uh, it is the most, my oldest son, the most premier prime example of what happens if you just try something. And that is, um, this kid is a full on driving game fan now because he played Forza Horizon. Um, randomly. I love that. He randomly on Xbox because of Game Pass just decided to give Forza Horizon a, a try because they put a battle royale mode in it. Um, and which is, you know, which is weird, but it works very well in Forza Horizon. It really does. And so he was just playing one of the older ones because it was free on Game Pass. And uh, I thought he was going to download it and just mess around, make a stupid Naruto car and, you know, be done with it. And I went away and came back and, um, he was still playing it. Um, and now we have uh, the new one coming out in less than a month. And he is... yeah mega hyped to the point where he's likely like he and I are in serious negotiations about getting him a wheel so that he could stream it right here in this desk. Mm -hmm. Um, and because he wants to, you know, he really, really loves Forza. Um, and I'm probably going to let him do it because I think it sounds pretty awesome. Um, it is, so he never would have tried it. He just, if, if he was forced to, he, he just leaned into it a little bit, figured it was, and he did it as a meme really. Like, yeah, let's just try it. And now it's one of his favorite genres. And he's talking about looking at simulators. Uh, he didn't end up making the Naruto car. Um, the, now he's talking about like trying out like real, once he has a wheel, like he's like, well, what about Project Cars? That's on there. And I'm like, well, that's like a simulator. Mm. And he's like, well, but I mean, I could, he's talking about like learning how to drive on these games. The simulator ones are like real hard. Someone who reviewed Project Cars 2. It's an exquisite experience. It's going to kick your butt. Oh, he's definitely going to get his butt It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So he is... So that's the best example. I mean, I am kind of forced to play things that are a little outside of my comfort zone. And there are some games that I have played um, that I've ended up absolutely loving. Um, You know, like SSX. Uh, which is a game that I probably wouldn't have necessarily played. Tricky is um, my favorite. But I absolutely love those things. Um, and so, yeah, I, the 
that is a uh, so for us for me you know that's that's a big piece it's, it's the op- the opportunity to like trip into something that you really love because if i was sure. only playing games that i liked from like middle school i would literally just be playing like weeby anime rpgs so it would be great right because i'd be playing like tales from arise and like trails of cold steel but like i would have missed out on the last of us and spider-man and you know these action games um and i probably would have missed out on things like animal crossing and mario kart because really i was just so obsessed with those things but because i branched out and i tried all these things um amanda what about you i step out of my gaming comfort zone all the time I I look at games that I think look marginally interesting. And if it fits the parameters of does it have does it look like it has cool designs for the characters? Is it interesting? Who knows about the ga- the gameplay or the story? But let's go give it a shot. What really enables that kind of experimentation though, especially in households that don't have access to press codes like I do? or well, not press codes anymore, content creator codes like I do. And they don't necessarily have like hundreds and hundreds of dollars for, you know, hello, my gaming collection. That's a privilege. They have Game Pass. Game Pass is huge. It's an enormous portion of, it, it just, it services so many different kinds of genres and it enables gamers that pay a monthly fee to get out of their comfort zone on a regular basis and try things that are new and interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, if you like Minecraft, go and play, you know, a game that's similar to Minecraft on Xbox Game Pass. And the possibilities seem almost endless where you can get out of your own way and experiment and not lose anything. The only thing that you're potentially losing is time. As an investment, you're not losing any money. There's no buyer's remorse. There's just a, well, I played a few hours of this game and it's really not for me, but I'm super glad that I tried it. Almost everything that I play, I feel like that, where I'm like, you know, even if this isn't for me, I'm so glad that I played it because I got to learn a little bit more about the kinds of games that I truly love and why I love them or why I don't necessarily vibe with them. It doesn't make the game bad. It just makes it not the right fit for me, depending on what my mood is like or depending on what I really want to get out of the experience. Am I looking to chill out? If I'm looking to chill and I'm looking to step outside of my comfort zone, I'm going to go find something that is very chill, like go play Cozy Grove, right? That's a little bit outside of my comfort zone, as is Animal Crossing, quite frankly because it requires an immense amount of creativity that I don't necessarily have in those kinds of digital spaces. Not that I'm incapable of it, but just I don't tend to tap into it. I'm a writer, right? So those are those are some safe ways for me to feel like cool. I moved into I moved a little outside of my comfort zone to chill or I'm playing Back for Blood right now, right? Which is a first-person shooter developed by Turtle Rock, you know, original creators of Left 4 Dead. And that game is outside of my comfort zone. But I love slaying me some zombies. You do like killing zombies. Um, I love did, killing zombies. We did get a combat comment from Catalogic, kind of around the the um, the idea of you know recommending Game Pass as a way to kind of lean into discomfort. He, um, you know, doesn't do that, but he actually makes sure to check out games on Twitch. 
and watch other people play them. And I think that no, is that's great too. Um, I mean, we actually talk about that all the time where I'll say, Hey, this yeah. is a game. Um, why don't you look up a YouTube video, check somebody out on Twitch, watch what they're playing. Cause you can get, you can get a pretty good sense of whether or not it's something that you're going to like. Um, and cause they are such amazing resources. Um, mm-hmm. and in some cases with especially st- smaller streamers, you can even ask them questions and they'll tell you, um, because man, smaller streamers, uh, will, they need to talk to you <laughs> so you can get in there. Um, yeah, it's spoken as a smaller streamer. So, um, so let's make some recommendations. Let's just really get into it. Um, cause we're, we're, we're running low on time. Um, let's make some recommendations of some games that are so good that we think it's worth breaking down barriers for. And I'm going to start with a big one that has come up over and over and over again that I think, um, you know, that is kind of universally accepted as a game that everybody should and could probably give a shot to. And that's Hades. Oh, Um, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And 100%. So Hades, for those that do not know, and if you don't know, um, and are somewhat in touch with the video game space, where the heck you been? However, um, Hades is a kind of isometric action game. You play as the son of Hades, uh, trying to escape Hades um, in these kind of randomly generated worlds and maps. And the idea is... Um, every time you, you are going to die, this is a roguelike game, which means you are going to die. You're not going to finish purpose, it. Purpose, in fact, is Purposely to, to die. die. And um, every purpose, time you yes, die, you must. Yeah, yeah, because every Hades time you die, well, number one, it is that, but every time you die, you get a little bit more story. Um, yeah, because you go, you die because you're trying to escape Hades. So you die, you come back. And every time you die, there's a new thing. There's new NPCs to talk to, or there's new story bits on, you know, and it is this kind of really cool loop of you do new cool stuff, you come back and learn more about the world and your motivation and other people's motivations. You get access to cool new weapons, and then you just kind of keep going. Um, And then eventually you clear it, um, because what happens is either eventually you you accumulate enough power that you can just kind of crush through the problems, or you get frustrated, you turn on God mode, and then you just kind of play. God mode is for story lovers. God mode is, is, because the idea is every time you die, you just naturally get more power. Um, yes, you start okay. off more powerful than the normal game, but also every now, time I you die, you get more powerful. Played, I haven't played in God mode yet. Um, I am shockingly enjoying the difficulty level of Hades. Now I haven't finished Hades yet because girl who has the time, it's a roguelike. It's going to eat my life, which I'm I'm happy with. But that's maybe a December thing. When yeah. I have a life again. Uh, the, the next time I pick it up, I'm going to put it on God mode. And I'm just going to go. Because I want to see the story. Do I want to see how it goes. Um, Do it. Absolutely. So, I think so I got, al- almost got out of Elysium, man. Almost. I was close. It's real good. It's real, real good. good. Um, so Absolutely the soundtrack worth getting out of your comfort zone. For. Oh, also, it is on Xbox Game Pass. Um, but yes. it's worth getting out of your comfort zone. It is inexpensive. Um, it's on everything now. Um, and, and it's a it super is, massive game. It's yep. a super massive game, which means that they, they're the folks behind Bastion. Unbelievable experience with Bastion. Yeah, I really played good. Bastion seven yeah. or eight times. It's one of my favorite games. And it's available on like everything, including the PlayStation Vita. Remember that Vita means life. 
I've never owned one. Um, I have one sitting over there somewhere, but I have one. I never owned. But I yes, owned it's one. they've they've made incredible games. So Bastion, and they've made Transistor. They had a they had another game, a sports game. I didn't end up playing that one, but yeah, but, good. But stuff. the true recommendation here. Hades. Is Hades. I think everybody should. Absolutely. Um, Everyone Mega should Mom, you should definitely try out Hades. So um, Hades. The next one, and I'm gonna just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mention it and toss the game grenade at um Amanda. Uh Uh-oh. one of the other ones we talked about is civilization. You think that one oh, is shoot, also yeah. so good enough that everybody should give it a shot. Why why should everyone play civilization, Amanda? Oh man. Embrace your bias, is- it's okay. Listen, civilization just gets better as the years go by. They, it really does. As the years go by and Firaxis gets better and better and better at making that game, the game just becomes more and more exceptional. Civilization 5 is, is way better than 4 because it's different. It's new. It's innovative. We got to, you know, we, we tried something different. We're not stacking... You know, we're not stacking dudes anymore, so you can't have, like, infinite stacks of dudes on a given hex, which is great. You have, like, armies that take up space now. And Civ Six built on so many of the great systems that Civ Five had, including having, uh, you know, better diplomatic features, more interesting leaders. And Civ Six really did bring us home with things like climate change and having to grapple with that as you move through the ravages of time, allowing us to join cults and sex, which is really fun too. Allowing us to, you know, we're talking about me beating up Zambies. I go beat up Zambies in in Civ. It honestly is a very interesting experience because you get to learn so many different systems and it's so easy to get into it's it takes very little effort to get into civ 6 on any platform it's also available on console so you get into it and you're like okay i don't really understand this but i like making cities that's cool oh no someone's attacking me what do i do now and you learn and you learn and you learn and it is the hours invested in that learning that make it worthwhile from my perspective systems the systems in that game are truly exceptional they really are very rewarding to learn and you feel so good when you get through a playthrough and you're like i did exactly what i set out to do i got my cultural victory i got my scientific win i dominated the world and i took out every other player's capital city you know sometimes sarah and i do that with nukes you know, this is what we set out to do. And then we nuked everyone, and it was great. I wouldn't nuke anyone in real life, but in Civ, watch out. Your game. <laughs> watch so, out. So, Linda, what is a uh, board game or card game that you think is so good that everyone should play? Oh, my God, should, I'm so should, excited that is, <laughs> That everyone should play it. Or Tell me everything. Oh, my God, Linda. leaving your comfort zone for. So... I, I have to say that I have to say one at least for sure. Sky Joe. We joke that I am the spokesperson for this game because you should I be being it so paid. much. You should, should. be being paid I should. for this. It's crazy. I recommend this to everybody. And if you if you're not really into card games, if that's outside your comfort zone, if card games are not what you tend to go for, 
this one I have, I swear I've sold so many copies of this, just talking it up or bringing it someplace. And then all of a sudden they go buy their own copy because That's it's simple. You can play two to eight players. How many board games can you say are two to eight? Not many. There are a handful, but there aren't many. It's a, it's a small number. Um, it's inexpensive, portable, and you can learn the rules in a handful of minutes. It's one yeah. of those, it's, it's so approachable for people. And it's like this little known game that I happened upon randomly hearing it on another podcast, then went down the rabbit hole and just like, that is the game I recommend ubiquitously yep. every time. Um, so what we're trying know. to say is that you are now a Skyjo influencer. This is what I'm understanding. I am. Yeah, okay. So you t- listen, if you publish Skyjo, Linda's got your back. You should pay her. Um, I've already written I mean, a review and everything. Like, <laughs> I mean, reach out to us. Um, I don't know. Seriously, I don't know. I mean, we have to be we have to be a little careful, right? Um, so you got to be a little careful with that. Um, so anyway, um, last one, last one. Um, I'm going to throw out one final recommendation, and this is you know we actually already talked about it, and we're just going to make it fast. I really do think if you have access to it, which is a PC or an Xbox, I think everybody needs to give Forza Horizon a shot. Um, And here is why. Um, Number one, it really is just that good. It's Sky Joe, Gatalogic. S-K-Y-J-O. And uh, so (laughs) it is, um, yeah, it is very, very good. We should probably put the review for that just on regular rotation with our social manager. We'll talk about that on Saturday. Um, so, uh, cause maybe then and it's they'll only mo- $15 maybe- on Amazon. Yeah. It's very cheap. Very cheap. Um, so the, uh, th- here's the reason why I plug Forza Horizon is that, um, it is an exploration game, um, with cars. You're driving around a map, finding cool stuff and finding races. And, you know, it is. Way more accessible. A lot of people think racing game and they think either Mario Kart or they think extreme complicated project cars, you know, polyphony digital stuff, you know, like Gran Turismo. This is not. This is. Arcade racers. This is. Are amazing. And Forza is the cream of the crop. Yeah. This is like, if you remember those driving games, the, the best description that I think of is if you think of the driving games from arcades. That you yeah. that we all love because they're you know they're cool because there's flashy music and they're so fun great. and kitschy. Yeah, um, this is that only hours upon hours upon hours of that with and more utterly random cool gorgeous. Stuff. Oh, and they're beautiful. Utterly gorgeous. The next one coming out in November is set in Mexico City, and it is a stop. It's already super beautiful. So, um, I and I think everyone should give it a I'm shot. So excited. We're all stuck. You know, we all know how to drive. You know, all us grown ups at least, and so. This is bare fundamentals. If you fundamentals. drive a Lambo, you can buy a Lamborghini in the game or win it and drive a Lamborghini or an or, Aston Martin or whatever. Or if you've ever wanted to drive a Warthog from Halo, they end yes, up in these games too. Yes, that's available in Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I, I always recommend the Forza games because I think they are fun they are magic. way and they are you know they just bring that kind of joy to just like driving around flying off cliffs doing stuff your cars don't break they go crazy absolutely. so yeah i absolutely love that 
So, um, guys, we did it. We made it through. We did. Good. Um, so, everybody listening, thank you very much for being here. This has been a rare treat for me to get both Amanda and Linda on the same show. We're going to have to do this a little bit more often. Um, I have to play more board games, friendo. That's true. Um, true. We're just or you got to make connections so I can come to video games. Why not <laughs> both? We'll figure it out. We will figure it out. <laughs> Linda, of course, you are always welcome. Um, and Amanda, we can always play that game where we just try and sell you on uh, <gasps> games that are exciting. That's true. Um, I love oh, it. Whoops. I love being sold on it. Sorry. Nightbot yelled at, uh, Nightbot yelled at Gatologic. My bad, dude. My bad. You're okay. Man, Nightbot just getting a little bit, a little bit 22. snarly. Oh, he timed him out for spamming emotes. Sorry, bro. I'm, I, I, I'm still working on that. We have That's had okay. A... Ready Player Mama Bot's aggressive too, so I get yeah, it. Exactly. Ready Player Mama Bot does not play around. Everybody. Oh, so um, it has been uh, a pleasure. Thank you all of y'all for showing up. Um, and... We will be back. Uh, this is actually not the last show this week. I will be back on Thursday for a little bit of streaming in the after, in the early evening, and then at 9 p.m. approximately Eastern Standard Time. I'll be here with Jeff Walker from the Frozen North. Um, we are going to talk about the uh, various video game news from this week, of which there has already been some exciting stuff. Uh, yes. And we are <coughs> excuse me and. Um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get into it. We also have to, Mega Mom, what's our game that we're playing this week? I forget our homework. I haven't played it yet. I have to do it tomorrow. Mega Mom will tell us, because Mega Mom chose, what we're doing is ranking all the games in the, on Nintendo Switch Online Mega as Mom we go. Mega Mom with the Kraken. Um, oh, Excite Bike, that's right. We're playing Excite Bike oh, this week. Excite Bike! And we're gonna find out where that ranks on the, um, among all of the games available on Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, right now, current number one, Ninja Gaiden. Um, so we'll see. Is Excitebike bigger and better than Ninja Gaiden? We'll find out on Saturday. What? What? Yeah. Yes, you can have my hoodie. Um, so, everybody, <laughs> you have yourself a wonderful night. We will be back next time. Um, and uh, next week, next board game week, next week's board game week, we're going to be talking about our holiday gift guide. Yeah. So everybody, maybe I'll yourself, stop in. Maybe we'll you'll stop see. in. Maybe. Um, I know it's busy, but if you can, you're Always welcome. Everybody, have you, you have yourself a wonderful night, and until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see y'all soon. Bye. 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 Music for the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast is Android Sock Hop by Kevin McLeod, and audio production by Six Pack Nerds Productions.